mindfulness mode. It's like brushing your teeth. You do it every day, but you don't like, oh my God, I just had the best teeth brush. It was so amazing. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I know we're always interested on the show in talking about meditation, talking about how we can uh, just make this a better world and how everybody could be more grounded. Well, I'm here with a very special guest today and he has a very, very impressive goal and that is to inspire 1 billion people to sit in stillness every day. I'm here with Tom Cronin. Tom, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am possibly most likely in mindfulness mode most of the time until I you know, slip out of it every now and then, and then I get reminded very <laughs> yeah. quickly by the universe, get back into mindfulness mode. <laughs> it has a way of doing that, doesn't it, Tom? <laughs> it's very clever at doing that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom, wow, I'm just so impressed when I look over your bio and when I, I read your, your most recent book and so on. Wow, uh, your bio says you're passionate about reducing stress and chaos in people's lives. And I know that you're a former finance expert and you have a long-standing successful track record in business as well as meditation. And you've got this project going on called The Stillness Project, which is what I mentioned at the top of the show to inspire 1 billion people to sit in stillness every day. Wow, 1 billion people. That is something we're really going to be talking about. So, Tom, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness is being observant of the mind. For me, that's what it is. It's it's watching the nature of my thoughts, but not just the nature of my thoughts, but the nature of my uh, words that I use, the nature of my actions. And it's this ability to have an independent observer that's almost like watching you. And then you get this sovereignty where you're no longer in this sort of reactive state, where you're just in this spontaneous sort of reacting to the world, which is very deeply coded and conditioned into us. And it's the ability to sort of liberate yourself from that habituation and to then be a little bit more proactive in the direction and the creation of your life. Well, Tom, you've recently written a book called The Portal, How Meditation Can Save the World. Let's talk about that book. You've sent it to me and I appreciate that very much. I've I've enjoyed what I've read in that book. Tell me about the book and, and how you were inspired to write this particular book called The Portal. Well, interestingly, the book was a, almost like an extract of the film. The film was the, the sort of starting premise for bringing to the world um, through storytelling, um, the showing the power of meditation and mindfulness to elevate our lives and move us out of chaos and suffering. And so we uh, started with uh, searching for amazing stories around the world that had had their own crisis and had moved out of crisis using mindfulness and meditation and seeing that that de-excitation of the mind and that sovereignty over the mind then would start to translate into their life in general. And we see this time and time again as it was in my life as well. And so we, we interviewed over 300 people and eventually um, you know, found the six stories that we found were most diverse and most effective and, and beautiful. 
and put them into a film. And um, from the interviews of those people, and also we interviewed, uh, just to add to that, three futurists and philosophers, very wise sages that looked at the sort of macro perspective. So we're exploring the micro perspective of our own internal crisis and suffering and how to move out of that using mindfulness and meditation. But we look at the macro of the global crisis and suffering and how that is also a state of consciousness that's predominantly causing most of that ailment on the planet and how if, if we collectively as a species shift our mindset um, and shift the way we think um, that will translate into what we create and we explore that a lot in the film and the book is you know that we we are what we what we create and if we change what we are what we think then we'll change what we create and so um, that's where the film and then obviously the book was derived from that original idea and where can we get a chance to see that film? Uh, it'll be releasing very soon. It's going to be on our website, enterthePortal.com. And uh, we're really excited to bring it out in a very unique way where um, we're inviting the world to become a partner with us. That's quite a, a, a different proposition where anyone who wants to register as a partner can share. Um, they, they'll get a unique link and they'll be able to share that with the world and anyone that rents the film or and there's a meditation program and some some free meditations in there um anyone that sort of uses the meditation program as well they'll be sharing all of that uh we'll be sharing that revenue with them as a partner of ours so tell us about the team that you put together to create this this movie yeah well i'm uh you know ex-broker on the trading room floors and moved into becoming a meditation teacher so making a film was a whole new ball game Right. And, uh, you know, I just, it was obviously a very uh, extensive and long-winded process, but I, I had to pull together some great people to, to do that. I had a great support team that mentored me and uh, we've got a great director, Jackie Pfeiffer, who's a first-time director um, who'd been in the film industry for quite a while and, and it was wonderful to work with her. We've got uh, amazing DOPs and uh, sound producers and editors and um, composers. So it was a really beautiful mix of people that were also very aligned to the vision and the project itself, which was interesting along the way who we sort of pulled in to become part of this project and see it through were people that were just simply aligned with the vision uh, of what the project was all about, which was shifting consciousness on the planet. Well, you've been working on this project, the Stillness Project, for some time. I'd like to know when you first established that project and how you made the decision to move forward with that. Yeah, as a broker in finance, and I used meditation and mindfulness to help me move out of the stress. I was in a really stressed state, so I was having a lot of anxiety and depression and addictions. It was sort of late 80s, early 90s, very Wolf of Wall Street sort of stuff. And that was really leading to extreme, uh, you know, abnormalities in my system ailments you know and this is anxiety depression mm -hmm. panic attacks insomnia and meditation played a huge part in my life in freeing me from from that dark night and um, I got so passionate about it that I became a meditation teacher while I was a broker and while I started teaching part-time as a broker I just could see the impact time and time again it was having on people's lives and I just kind of felt this strong calling that I I couldn't believe that this wasn't you know something that was just you know brought about for the world it wasn't something that everyone was doing and you know there's a, a lot of things in the world that um, we get programmed with that lead us to unhappiness and poor health 
And I could see so much of the suffering in the world was this deep code and program that we have within humanity, our current, our current system. And that meditation really was the process of liberating ourselves and mindfulness was the ability to liberate ourselves from that deep code that kept us very disempowered and in a state of suffering addictions and um, you know, lacking in sovereignty. So I really felt that if I wanted to make any impact in the world, I had to get people meditating. I could see that there was this ability to transcend the code, free yourself, whether it's your family's code, your generational code or society's code that was indoctrinated within us. And that meditation helped us transcend that, access the field of intelligence or wisdom and innateness a deep knowingness within us that's that's deeper than the the surface level of of you know conditioned thoughts and so from there once i started seeing people accessing that place they started to get a lot more sovereign and empowered about their own health their own direction of life and starting to make different choices of course it doesn't make us perfect i've just got to put a caveat there i'm certainly not perfect and uh, and my students aren't either so um it 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 just helps us get better and better at being a human and so what I started out with when I left the finance, and I guess it's part of my nature to think big and bold and brash when I was a broker, I had the same way of thinking. And when I became a meditation teacher, I guess I had the same way of thinking. And so there's a code there, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just felt like I could just see the planet collectively, a, a big sort of ball of people that were disconnected and disharmony, um, not unified, not having internal harmony. And so... I just thought, well, I, if we can get a billion people meditating, then that's going to make a difference. So let's yeah, just start with that's that. That's for sure. That will definitely make a difference. That's that's a massive number of people. Tell us about some of the addictions that you personally experienced. Hmm. Gosh, we got to get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I want to dig in. My dark side. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah. What What was going I, on? Well, on, on a macro level, what was going on was I was craving fulfillment, which is what everyone's doing right now. Everyone, whether they're cleaning mm -hmm. the bathroom floor or whether they're going to a monastery in Tibet or whether they're eating ice cream or going to the movies um, or doing crack cocaine, um, everyone's seeking fulfillment. It's just a mm -hmm. matter of what avenue are we going down to find that fulfillment. And I was going down avenues that were um, very much part of the culture that I was in. And also very unsustainable because some avenues of fulfillment uh, have uh, no karmic consequences and some have very severe karmic consequences. Sure. So uh, obviously meditating, I mean, they all have karmic consequences, I guess, in some respects. I just need to clarify that. So if I'm meditating in a monastery in Tibet, the karmic consequences, which is just cause and effect, are that it will be an uplift and it, it doesn't have a, a polarized negative charge to that. Whereas, um, or maybe it does because there'll be a family that's missing me, you know, uh, sure. maybe it does. So, but the ones I was using weren't, weren't very sustainable. That was, you know, lots of cocaine, ecstasy, drinking, sex. Um, and so uh, that it just had huge karmic consequences. And the beautiful thing with the universe, with our body, with nature, is it has this incredible capacity to support and guide us. And sometimes that support and guidance comes in ways we don't usually expect. Sometimes it can come in pain and suffering. And so the universe bestowed upon me immense levels of pain and suffering as it was really like a maternal force trying to support and guide me just as a mother would maybe take a knife off a child that's trying to stick it in an electrical socket 
and maybe slap its hand if they're that type, you know, whoever, you know, parent would just remove them from that situation, have some consequences. You know, I give you three warnings and if on the third warning you don't listen to my advice, I might have to send you to your room and take the Game Boy off you. Um, right. for a week you know there's some consequences so you, you can learn from that that this action is not sustainable i must uh you know instill some level of discipline you know i've got two children two 18 year olds they're twins beautiful children and um you know whenever i had to instill some discipline and i really see the importance of creating boundaries for children it's so important that they understand where a boundary is um i would always uh sit down with them and say that this this is coming from absolute love my deep, tender care for you uh, is inspiring this discipline. So they understand that it's not coming because they're bad, horrible people or I'm a bad, horrible parent. It's just that there's a, there's a guidance system here that's supporting them through life, just as we have that in our own lives as well from the universe, I believe, anyway. And, and that was Mother Nature looking after me by making my life brutally uncomfortable but when I'm making those choices that I was making. And so that ended up guiding me away from that action. Uh, and I've got gratitude now for the consequences that I had, which is extreme, you know, panic attacks, anxiety, a lot of shame and guilt. And, uh, and I still think to this day, there's some lingering uh, essence of that shame and guilt because of the lifestyle that I was living, the choices that I was making. But, um, and you know, it's my work to sort of overcome those, but that it, was, it was all part of the process to move us towards awakening. I'm going to cut in here and tell you that I can help you achieve your goals. Are you experiencing a lot of anxiety? Are you experiencing some kind of blocks? I talk about, you know, that that bullying voice that goes on in your head. Are you experiencing problems and not able to move forward? Well, I can help you with my coaching and hypnosis. And as you know, I'm a trained hypnotist and I can help you. All we need to do is jump on a call and talk about whether you're a good fit for the program. I have a five session program available. It has worked for so many clients. I believe it can work for you too. Why don't we talk about it? A number of my clients have talked to me and they've said, oh, I can't believe how I got to this point and I feel I feel disempowered. I feel frustrated. I feel like I'm just not moving forward day after day. I feel this sense of anxiety. I feel this pressure to achieve and yet I'm not achieving what I want to in my life. Then we've worked together. We've worked on hypnosis together. I've helped them through some really uh, interesting and challenging experiences. And we have gotten to the point where they've like, wow, I can't believe how I've been able to let go of some of these things that were holding me back. I've been able to let go of guilt that I didn't even realize it was there. I didn't even realize it was holding me back. And and here I am now feeling free and able to now move forward and achieve what I want to achieve. One of my most recent clients has this to say about her progress with the program. We did work at the subconscious level that you just have no idea consciously how much you're fighting and where the, where these feelings are coming from. And you're trying to figure all that out on top of figuring out the actual situation. This is 
absolutely been the catalyst to help get me there. I could definitely see the, the, the impact of the, the hypnosis for, I don't know, fast tracking or solidifying. It was just, it was just something that was the, the driving force, I think, that made all the pieces kind of click and fall into place. So now it's your turn to make life better for you, to shake off these beliefs that are holding you back, shake off this inner bully, make things happen in your life, feel powerful, feel empowered and positive. Just send me an email, Bruce at Mindfulness Mode, ready to make a difference in the subject line ready to make a difference. So I'll be talking to you soon. Stop this right now. Hit pause and send me that email. Ready to make a difference in the subject line, Bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Now back to the show. You've uh, obviously poured yourself into this this film and into the book. Can you tell us a, a little bit specifically about one of the people that you decided to highlight in the book? I mean, one of the one of the stories I was so impressed by was the woman from Vietnam and how she had moved through such a challenging time in her life. And, and I mean, it just sounded almost unbelievable, the kind of life she was living. And then she was able to move through it. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, Zwei's uh, a beautiful story. It's interesting how everyone that reads the book, watches the film, uh, resonates with one or two stories more than others. And, and everyone's got their own sort of favorites. Oh, I really like that story. And I love that, you know, that, and that's one of the reasons why we had such diverse stories from so many different backgrounds. Um, Zwei's is a beautiful story that did overcome incredible challenges. What I like about Zwei's story is she's a classic story of um, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with, they're, they're seekers, they become finders, and then they become sharers. So in the process of seeking to overcome or get out of darkness, you know, if we're in a dark room, we go looking for the light switch. It's the first thing we do when we walk into a dark room. We're clamoring along the wall till we find that light switch. And so we're a seeker, seeking, 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 where is the light? It must be somewhere here. And in the process of seeking, eventually um, you find and you find the light, you find the light switch. And you know, it's like, not like it's an on and off switch, it's more like a dimmer. And it's starting to turn up brighter and brighter as time goes on. But as the room gets lighter and lighter, eventually you feel this natural compulsion to start sharing and let, letting other people know where their light is as well. And so Zwei's definitely followed that path. And now she's a wonderful sharer where she's um, you know, got a book out and she's bringing her wisdom of what she went through and what she found out to the world. Um, another great one is uh, obviously Buddha was a, a very popular one in the film with his story of um, you know being in um, being a veteran and dealing with trauma and uh, PTSD and uh, really looking at all the different options to overcome that. But it wasn't until he started to to learn to meditate and use mindfulness to help him liberate himself from the shackles of that past experience, which is what trauma and PTSD is. It's a, in Sanskrit, we call it a samskara. And that's a scar is where we get that, the word from samskara. And it's this, um, you know, this embellishment that exists from a previous experience. And so we've got something that happened in the past that's still influencing and affecting us today. It's like an impression, like a coin that's put in a print and it's got an indelible impression on it. But the beautiful thing with mindfulness and meditation is that it helps melt that impression off us and free us from that samskara or that scar tissue of the past. And we become a lot more present, a lot more liberated from the influence or effect of something that happened in the past. Tom, when was the first time that you meditated? 
Hmm. I remember when I was in year seven, that's, uh, I, I don't know, I was like uh, 12 years old and then what that is in um, Canada or America, it's like the first stage of high school. And sure. um, so we just, I left primary schools in high school and the, for some reason the, the teacher brought our librarian in, this it was a very big school and the librarian came in and took us through a guided meditation. Now I didn't, they didn't use the word meditation. I think they use relaxation technique. It was a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And she took us through a relaxation technique. It's funny you ask this because it's so long ago, but I distinctly, the first thing I thought of was that moment. And she took us through this, this guided sort of relaxation. And I distinctly remember this incredible feeling, just such a serenity. I was always quite a nervous, uh, anxious kid, a lot of fear. And um, there was this sweet peace that swept over me in that time. And it was so beautiful. And I never revisited again. Uh, I, w- I was brought up in a very strong Catholic family. We did rosary and Lent and went to church every Sunday. So I did have a strong sense of connection to some, you know, higher thing, a source or God or something. But um, for many years I went, particularly when I was a broker, I got way, way, way off my orbit and way disconnected from that, you know, spiritual world or peaceful world and into a lot more, you know, parties and clubs and all sorts of things. Um, so I moved a long way. And of course, the further we move away from it, the deeper the, the pain becomes <laughs> a lesson there for all of humanity. But um, then I went back into all that suffering and then started to meditate more in a structured way. And that's when I learned uh, sort of transcendental meditation. And that first week was, that was when I was 20, uh, 26 years old. And uh, that was a phenomenal shift for me. It was like everything that I'd been looking for and all the drugs and all the partying, it was like, I think it was actually, sorry, I was 29. And and it was like this incredible realization that this was what I was looking for all my life. This was where I was looking for. It was like going home. Wow. Wow. And, and then your life began to change shortly after that. Is that right? Yeah, significantly. It was, I kind of defined my life pre and post meditation, it was, you know, once you, you start the initial process of waking up, it's very hard to go back to sleep. You kind of just keep going deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. So I, I started, I really resonated with the philosophy, the Vedic mm-hmm. tradition and the science behind it and the deep spiritual understanding and teachings. I really resonated with this idea of a higher self or a, you know, in some terms, it's a non-dualism of this, uh, this, realm of of formlessness and unboundedness is our true nature and i really resonated with that because the meditation allowed me to access it in in sanskrit it's called turiya t-u-r-i-y-a where we transcend the the realm of duality that subject object phenomenon egoic existence and start to resonate and connect and embrace our pervasive nature our you know omniscience and omnipotence and omnipresence and that was really quite phenomenal to start to experience that as time went on and become more and more realized in that nature. Tom, I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for a long time, and I wonder if you have a story. Were you ever bullied or were you ever a bully? Do you have a story where mindfulness maybe would have made a difference? Yeah, I think we're we're all bullies and being bullied at some point in our life in some way, you know. Uh, yeah. maybe as a dad, at some point, I might've been a bully. Maybe as a husband, I might've been a bully and maybe I've been bullied as well. You know, um, specific details. Um, I remember when I was in, in prime, in high school, sorry. Um, you know, there was a little bit of, 
I was quite an insecure kid at times um, and then very brash and confident in other times. It was quite interesting. But um, I'd certainly been on the receiving end of, um, you know, like an all boys school of, of criticism and um, joke, jovial camaraderie and joke, jokeism, you know, where we take the mickey or we call it take the piss out of people. Um, and so one thing about bullying that I've learned from a mindfulness perspective is that uh, it's always from a lack of uh, identity and lack of connection to oneself. Uh, it's always coming from um, an egoic structure that is afraid, but also, uh, but also um, needing to be seen and needing to be seen in a way that's superior, which is one of the tenets of the ego. And what I have the ability these days is to, to see through that veneer of what's driving the bullying and to look at the, the underlying true nature of that person and not see the bully, but see the beauty of that being that's just disconnected and lost. And this is what motivates me for, with meditation is that when people start connecting with that nature of who they are, their, their unconditional lovingness, their, their wisdom, the gentleness, the softness, the compassionate human being, um, then they start by default, just start changing. It's quite phenomenal. Um, it doesn't mean that again, we become perfect. There's definitely people meditate that aren't perfect. Um, but it certainly means that we start getting better and there's less of those conditioned, uh, attributes of the ego as we have less ego. The ego will always have those attributes. The ego doesn't actually lose its attributes. It's just that when we have less ego, we have less of the attributes. That's all. I want to ask you about uh, racial prejudice and about Black Lives Matter and about this, these movements that are going across the world. How can we use mindfulness to be more accepting of other people, no matter who they are? It's a great question, isn't it? It's such an exciting time on the planet. It's a challenging time. But what we're seeing, and we talked about this in the book, is that the pillars of our current society that have been in place holding up our society for hundreds if not thousands of years are all starting to crumble. And it's, it, it almost moves me to tears at times to see this macro perspective of shift happening. You know, uh, we've just had a big protest march in Australia for, for women um, just saying, you know, we've had enough. You know, how, why are we still protesting against people using our bodies as a form of pleasure? And so these, these voices that are starting to emerge and arise and, and feel the sense of like, no, this is not, not relevant anymore. We must change this status quo. It's so beautiful to see. We're a long way from getting the change into place, but the first thing that needs to happen is firstly awareness of the problem, then activation and movement towards changing the problem, and then obviously the problem no longer being there. So we're, we're, we're moving in through those stages. Um, it's important we, we have patience, not so much patience, we, we want to sort of have some sense of let's go, let's get this happening. But I think mindfulness uh, can play a part by helping us sort of be in the process of changing the status quo, but also being excited about what that vision looks like once it's changed. And Daniel Schmachtenberger, who's in the film, he asked me as the filmmaker and Jackie, when we were interviewing him before we interviewed him for the film, actually the, the actual recording in the film, uh, he asked us to invite the audience. And so I'm passing Daniel's words on here to, to all of you listening today. He asked the audience, 
to start contemplating what life might look like on an enlightened planet. How will people react? How will they behave? What will the systems be like? Economic, political, social, sporting, banking, financial, education, relationships. Um, and once we start exploring that as a vision, we start to get a blueprint or a, he called it a North Star of a, of a destination that we can go to. But if we don't entertain that vision, if no one's sort of individually or collectively exploring that vision, then how are we going to get there? How do we even know where we're going if we don't know what that looks like? So uh, it's, it's really it's very challenging to actually contemplate that. I spend a lot of time exploring that myself. You know, Firstly, what does it look like and what can I do to help, it get, help us get there? And it has to start with me myself first. Um, and quite often that mindfulness helps me look within myself and ask, am I the embodiment of someone that lives in an enlightened planet? And uh, obviously sometimes I say no. And then what do I have to do about that to be more of the embodiment of someone that lives in an enlightened planet? And uh, I think that's where mindfulness will help us get through uh, a lot of the, the, the these movements or not get through, but help facilitate these movements, these movements so integral in the in the in the planet becoming a better more unified harmonious place and we still have a lot of discord on the planet and and uh, we still got a lot of work to do to to get into a much more compassionate kind and united and harmonious uh world so tom i want to ask you what does inner peace look like in your life hmm. in those moments and the work is to stabilize it for longer and longer periods of time. We will get initially glimpses and then long spells and ideally at some point a permanence of that because the divine is permanently peaceful. It doesn't have emotions. It doesn't have fluctuating thoughts and conflict because conflict comes from two things, one thing conflicting with the other and the divine is omnipresent so it only has sweet peace um, and that's our inner nature is is to be that so as i have longer spells in that state and less in my ego which is constantly in conflict and, and constantly fluctuating it feels like um the the four words that i use to describe what that inner peace is is bliss joy love and calmness bliss joy love and calmness they're not emotions and uh we talk a lot about you know expressing our emotions and being emotional and connecting with our emotions. However, um, to truly be free and to truly find inner peace is to actually be beyond the emotion and be in our innate nature. And that's uh, peace, love, bliss, joy, calmness. Mm. Wow. I want to uh, move forward and ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect, Tom. Mm -hmm. The first question is this, who is one person who has been, uh, I would say the most powerful mindfulness influence in your life? I'd have to say my initial meditation teacher, Tom Knowles, who's a Vedic meditation teacher. Let's talk about emotions. Tell me how the way you deal with your emotions has changed as a result of mindfulness. Being able to watch them and ask me, uh, is this the vibration I want to be emanating out into the world? And then to work on transcending that emotion and being in peace. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. 
breathing's like uh, I love this song uh, chariots of breath uh, friends of mine wrote and breathing becomes like this uh, supporting device to instill calmness if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness I know the portal your book mm -hmm. is very related to mindfulness but can you recommend any other books I would have to say Power of Now would be one of the most, uh, the for me, the ultimate book in um, in mindfulness. It's a great, great book and very, very impacting on my life by Eckhart Tolle. Right, right. Uh, Tom, can you share an app which either helps you with mindfulness or maybe some of the people you work with? Yeah, we have an app out uh, called Enter the Portal and it's in uh, iPhone and Android and uh, there's a number of meditation techniques in there um, that people can explore. There's a timer in there to help them with their, their times of their meditation. And there's some great pieces of content and knowledge that um, is being shared in that app. Enter the portal. Okay, well, I, I want to ask you something else. And I've already asked you the five quick answer questions. So this isn't part of that. But I know that you do a lot of live events and you have one coming up. Can you tell us what your live events are like? What sort of activities you do? How many people attend? What it's like what, when you attend a live event by, by Tom? Yeah, we run retreats. Um, I, I have a support person, uh, a wonderful human called Joey, uh, who uh, we work together to bring a very transformational experience over a number of days. Uh, usually they're four to six days. So we've got one in four for just a few weeks time. We usually run about three to four a year. And it's the ability to take people away from their current circumstances environment and withdraw them from that immense level of stimulation. And we put them through predominantly a, a main uh, sort of process which is called rounding and it incorporates four limbs in the the sequence and one round takes about an hour and the first part of the round is that we do about 20 minutes of yoga and that's just 10 yoga poses the same 10 yoga poses each round and they're specific yoga poses that are helping um, dislodge uh, stored up pent-up energy and stresses in the body then we do some breathing techniques called um, pranayama or pranayama and that's alternate breathing between the nostrils to really instill deep calm in the body and then we do a 20 minute meditation uh, and then we do 10 minute shavasana and so this round will do multiple rounds round after round and so it's a very powerful process that helps dislodge deep stresses in the body and clear the mind of a lot of incessant thoughts and allow them to have a deeper connection to their consciousness and then within that, there's workshops and some talks and some beautiful food and time to relax and sleep. And so it's a very rejuvenating and restorative process, but also quite um, challenging in some respects because we're clearing a lot of stresses out of the body. And so it's, it's not a walk in the park. It's definitely a, a process that can be very impacting, but also quite challenging at times. And I know you've done these events at quite a few different locations. What are some of your favorite locations to do retreats at? Yeah, we, we've got uh, coming up, we've got Dubai, Greece, um, the Philippines and Bali. But with COVID, we've had to just put a lot of them on hold for travel reasons. But Bali is, our, you know, one of, I would say, our ultimate location. It's just such a powerful um, island. It's very healing, particularly where we have it located up in the mountains. And it's, yeah, there's something really special about Bali. If people haven't been there, it's uh, one to put on their, um, their list of destinations to check out once we can travel around the world again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know your website is enterthaportal.com. What can we expect to see when we check out your website? 
Um, very soon you'll be able to watch the film. At the moment there's the trailer um, and the film will be released there. Um, yeah, that will be uh, really exciting. And uh, yeah, that will be where they'll be able to watch the film, rent the film, gift the film to their friends and colleagues. Um, and yeah, start to share and this wonderful message about um, the power of meditation mindfulness. That is super exciting. Tom, for anyone listening today, any one of Mindful Tribe listeners, what advice would you have for anyone who is back in that place where you were struggling, maybe have a couple of addictions, not sure why they can't get rid of their anxiety and live a relaxed, grounded life? What would your advice be, Tom? I keep it really simple. Um, meditate twice a day. But even when you you looking into meditation you know find a technique that really resonates with you that you feel deeply deeply drawn to that you feel like this is this is something that I is part of my life now like brushing my teeth every morning because there are different techniques of meditation it's easy to get lost in lots and lots and lots of um, you know techniques there's so many apps with so many different techniques um, but find one that's going to be impacting and and tangible and that you can definitely notice a difference like for me I notice a distinct difference within the first week Oh yeah, I find that meditation makes a huge difference for me and I've been meditating for a long time. So, mm. uh, you know, I, I just really, really encourage people to check it out, even if you're just doing a short meditation, but promise yourself that you'll give it a chance and you won't just try it two or three times, but that you'll give it a chance for at least, I would say two months. What would your advice be, Tom? Yeah, it's such a good advice and thanks for suggesting that. It's, it's, it's not like, you know, you you go to a bar and you get really drunk you notice the tangible differences or you go to the movies and you get moved by that movie it's very subtle and this is the thing yes. where we're naturally conditioned to looking for extreme reactions to things and that's why we go into those experiences that we do this is the opposite it's actually moving us away from those extreme reactions and having a subtle response which is less excitation but more calm more bliss so it's the opposite of what we're naturally coded to go looking for. And so we've got to first understand what is going to result from doing this, which will be less stimulation, less reactiveness, less emotions, which is the opposite, like I said, of what we normally go seeking. So um, be, be aware of that and then, and then and look for the, the subtlety of what's coming out of your meditation. It's, it, I would suggest, you know, three months to really start to, you know, some meditation techniques you'll notice it quite quickly. But, uh, you know, at least give it the time to, you know, it's like brushing your teeth. You do it every day, but you don't like, oh, my God, I just had the best teeth brush. It was so amazing. <laughs> it's just that I don't have holes again. Another day passes. I don't have holes in my teeth. It's really cool. <laughs> Enterthaportal.com. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I just wish you all the best with your, your journey to inspire one billion people. That is really, really a wonderful, wonderful challenge with the Stillness Project. So thanks for being on Mindfulness Mode today, Tom. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Great chatting. You're welcome. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, and thanks to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Hey, Erica, we really appreciate you, and Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer or a coach or a counselor or someone who just loves helping people, Consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can become a hypnotist. 
just like I did. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. And if you'd like to work with me and break through some of those mind blocks, maybe lose weight, maybe quit smoking, maybe it's something else, I would be so thrilled to work with you. Don't put it off. Do it right now. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. That's bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And we will get you on track and we will help you to move toward the goals that you've always wanted to achieve. So now take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.